Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. I'm Danielle. Hey, we're back, everybody. Hey. Hey. Yeah, this is an all-Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics, and every week we interact with our awesome listeners, and now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. No, Hayden Orr is going to tell you all about it. Well, everybody, this is the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Uh, What we do here is we read the Hellboy comics, uh, any Hellboy-adjacent stuff, Lobster Johnson, BPRD, Abe Sapien. We read it all, even some real books sometimes. <laughs> and uh, nice. then, we, then we convene together and talk about it. And uh, the book club members share their ideas on the social media. But for this episode, we're sharing them on the episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Oh, my God. You did you awesome with that. You were ready to that. roll. You yeah, didn't even, it. Didn't even catch you. you off guard at all. That was fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to have you do that from now on. I'm going to call you up every time. I need to do that. It's Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that intro, Hayden. Hey, gang. You know, we got to talk about Milagro, Matt Strackbine, and Ross Radke's awesome Kickstarter, successful Kickstarter that they've got going on right now. Yeah, that's good. Oh, man. It's so good. Oh, man. They've already crossed the first stretch goal. So I'm so excited about that. That oh, means congratulations, boys. Yeah. Hell yeah. We're gonna get the sketchbook section in the printed format and a character design section and an all-new sticker sheet. So that is really cool. Yeah. I do want us to get to the second stretch goal. And so right now I think we're like eleven hundred dollars away from this last stretch goal. By the time the podcast comes out, you got a week left to jump on this thing. There are so many awesome rewards. And I think it's super affordable. And like we talked about, it's going to be good quality. If you haven't, oh, yeah. if you haven't gotten Ross's comments... You can just take one look at the actual Kickstarter page to be able yeah. to tell. It's going to be great quality. You know, you're supporting some great guys. And one thing that I wanted to say was... Uh, guys who will actually deliver on what they say they're going to do. And in a, a very timely manner, by the way. And it's already funded. So you're just be adding to the just Exactly. Goal. You know it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. So you might as well just keep keep it going. Yeah, and one thing that I wanted to say, I wanted to throw out there is, you know, obviously we know that Ross is amazing at doing commissions, but Matt doesn't do commissions. Right. And all his original art is gone. I was talking to Jerry Turnbull about this. This is your chance. Uh, So Ryan has some pages. Jerry has some pages. I have some pages. Aubrey has some pages. Somebody who from the raffle has a page, and then there was one other page. We are out very there, lucky, and to somebody have those else pages. already yes, bought that really one. Uh, somebody on Facebook bought that one from Matt. So there are no more original art pages from Matt out there. If you have ever wanted a piece of art from Matt, this is one of the few chances that you're going to yeah. be able to do that. And yeah. not only that. I think it's like a bargain because you get a commission and then you're getting all this other shit. You're yeah. going to get like a fucking comic, graphic novel, stickers, all this other stuff. So um, it's a really good deal. It's a rare deal. You've got about a week left. So I hope that people are jumping on that, gain those original art levels, gain the original comic page levels. It's going to be amazing. So I'm so excited for these guys. I'm so glad they're funded, but there's still more that we can do. So um, add a... Add a sticker sheet. Add a little one of Matt's signature things. I was thinking about getting my parents. I, I ordered two of the little head sketches. Okay. And I was yeah. thinking about asking Matt to draw my parents. Aww. Um, so that would be that, that, that would be, be great. Adorable. I think my parents would like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, add another one of those or whatever to your reward. Every little bit helps to get us to that last stretch goal. Really proud of these guys. 
and let's yeah, do it. Good job, boys. Yeah, uh, Matt actually messaged me the other day and said, "Hey, do you want to see a page?" And I, I'm like, "Yes." Okay. <laughs> and he yeah, sent me nice. this page. Is that even a question? And he sent me this page. Well, part of me is also thinking no because I I don't want every you know. I Are we allowed to tell oh, people that you saw this? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to tell what I saw because I don't know if I'm allowed oh, okay. to. But I can tell you that when I saw it, I was like, "This is the most insanely." You were impressed. Yes. It's good. He's not kidding when he's rated okay. BV for brutal violence. Oh, jeez. Uh-oh. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's oh, man. awesome. I'm I cannot excited. wait to see the finished product. All yes. right. Well, you will see it soon. <laughs> it's going to be good. Thank you so much, everyone who has supported, and thank you, everyone who will. You got a week left. Let's do it. You're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, so it's great to be back. Thank you, guys. Uh, we had our movie commentary for the Hellboy Animated, and then we had our outtakes episode last week, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> Uh, we had Matt and Ross and Craig and the whole gang on there. It was so that was pretty cool. A surprising a lot amount of talk about Superman. <laughs> right. Yes, we did talk oh, about Superman there? a lot. Okay. Yeah, we talked yeah. about the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Remember oh, okay. when we were watching those? I didn't listen to it, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so on this episode, we're going to catch up on some of our listener feedback since we've kind of been off the air for a little bit. Hey, you damn guys from Wes Matice. Wes Matice. Book club member. Thanks for putting in the intro. It's so funny. I don't remember doing that on the debriefing episode. Really quick, growing up in Stamford, Connecticut, just outside of Fairfield, Connecticut, and New York City, there is a playhouse in Stamford, and the bar next to it is called Fiddler's Green, and I never gave the name much thought until now. We talked about Fiddler's oh. Green, remember? Yeah. Recently, I've had so much change in my life. And uh, traveling a ton, I listen to you guys on my drives. When I'm done with an episode, I'll go back sometimes and replay past episodes if I don't have another podcast to listen to or audiobook. Oh, oh, that's sweet. Wow. Nice. When I listen to episodes on my drive, I keep an Apple note that I talk to text ideas and notes as I listen. So he's like talking to make the oh, words nice. happen. Yes. Technology. Technology. Do it. So, okay, here, uh, he says, referring to the Black Wedding episode, does anyone else think of Billy Idol when saying the name The Black Wedding? I pretty much sang the chorus of White Wedding the entire time I read the book. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I do now. To me, but yes, now He's got a little smiley face head. there. It's a for a black wedding. In this of the last episode, John mentioned one of the creatives working on Jackie Chan Adventures, and that series had a total dark magic spin I loved as a kid and watched it with my younger brother every Saturday, but a BPRD series would have been better. I didn't know that it had a, a like a dark magic I've spin I've never seen on it, it, so that I don't really awesome. know anything about that. I think these short stories are great and would have made an awesome cartoon series, and I'm not sure if each one of the Hellboy animated series books come with a short about young Hellboy, but I love... How that happens, and it's always Hellboy making a fool of himself, playing make-believe as the lobster, which is so relatable to me as a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. It's good stuff. Going back to my notes in BPRD 1956, when Vavara makes an example, or Vavra, we have never decided that, <laughs> did we? Makes an example of Comrade Kolev, it's in a bunch of movies, but also in The Art of War by Sun Tzu. When he takes over the troops, he makes an example of one of the generals by taking off his head. After the soldiers, that's a nice way of saying that he decapitated somebody. <laughs> he took he took off his head. Sounds very, very gentle when you say it that way. 
Uh, after the soldiers kept laughing at his commands, then it is assumed people listened to his orders from there on out. Okay. Yeah. So we talked about that mm-hmm. um, that certain motif. You know, they do it on Kill Bill and, sure. you know, where like you burn somebody or you make an example. You make example. an example out of somebody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm and not so, playing around. I'm not fucking around. I'm so not I messing around here. I wonder if maybe that is the first, the origin of it. You know, that's interesting. I'm sure not. I'm sure that's not the first origin. It's probably a very famous example, though. But I don't think that's the right, first time right. someone ever decapitated a person in a show of force to make people right. obey their commands. I'm pretty sure that's probably been like going pop, on for a the long time. The first pop culture version of it. Sure. I guess, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, anyways, excited for the world to start opening up. Mm, well, we hope so. <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I got my New York Comic Con tickets this morning. If any book club member wants to meet up, feel free to DM me on Instagram. That's at Wes Matice. Uh, W-E-S-M-A-T-T-I-C-E. Yeah. I will be checking for tattoos, though. Ha-ha. Oh. Oh, man. Talk soon, Wes. Ah, thank you so much, Wes. Wes. That was great. Yeah, it would be cool if there was, like, another meetup. You know, when Matt went to Rose City, they had, like, a little meetup there with Ross and Nathaniel. On the safe side, though, you know, do it safely. Yes. Yeah. We also had, uh, hey, you lovely damn guys from Allie. Allie. Book club member. Yeah. yeah. Technically, it's Meef-based Beowulf Cluster. That was the handle that we called out when we uh, we called out this user for sharing their new library editions. Oh, okay. Allie said, I had to fall down the deep, dark pit during COVID lockdown here in Scotland and didn't do anything. But after a couple weeks, pulled myself up out of a dark place, started talking to my long-suffering friends, and at the same time, picked up the podcast again. Thanks for all that you do. Not a word of lie to say that you saved me during dark times. Aww. Love you guys. More power to you. Wow, that Aww. is that is very powerful. Yeah. I, uh, I don't really know how to respond to that. That's that's intense. I'm glad we played some positive role in your life. I'm glad we played a part in that. But, I mean, you did that, though. You yeah, did. yeah. You did that. You did all the things that made you better. So, congratulate. Good job. Yeah. To you. Congratulations to you for doing that hard work. But I do have, uh, you know, I do have my go-to podcast. You know, I, 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 do, I, I do relate I do as well. to like, I do as well. hey, you know, this is, this kind of gets me through, sure. you know, some shitty stuff. I'm going to put this on. It's going to make me feel better. I'm right. glad we could do something Teamwork. like that. Teamwork. Yeah, I actually have a podcast like that, like, especially last year, right around the end Absolutely. of the year. Yeah, right. yeah. Doug, the lesson here is none of us gets through that alone. We're all... We're all helping we're all, each other out. Yeah, there you go. we're all connected, and yeah. so that's you know. Ali said, "Still about forty episodes adrift, and it's weird to hear all the news a few months ago." <laughs> I'm catching up, staying strong, and preaching the word of the Hellboy Book Club to all my friends. Baked beans Aww. and pickles optional. Ah. So Ali's gotten that far, oh, right? Man. There you go. Nice. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you. We're so glad that we were able to be a positive part of your life, but also take some credit. You know, you yeah, yeah. take some credit for your own strength and uh yeah we're excited for you to catch up yeah, too to the show great. good to hear from you friendship we had some more feedback from hellboy the black wedding and pyramid of death that was that little mini comic that we read from the hellboy animated mm-hmm. some Can- intense names for the, you ever stop <laughs> know, and just right? think about the names of these stories <laughs> that we're reading they're little cartoon stories too right if you were talking to just anyone else you'd be like yeah i just read a story called uh bones of blood thieves <laughs> and it was you know it was all right and if people are listening like what the fuck are they reading the fuck are you reading drew campbell said drew campbell book club member yeah uh, we mentioned fiddler's green he said fiddler's green appears in sandman as a sentient part of the dreaming 
who sometimes takes a human form. Ooh. Christopher Egan said... Christopher Egan. Book club member. Yeah. Fiddler's Green is also the name of the high-rise community that all the rich people live in, led by a Trumpian Kaufman character played by Dennis Hopper in Romero's Land of the Dead. Okay. Yeah, that's called Fiddler's Green, too. Never saw that. It was all right. Is it all right? Yeah. And then... um, Dennis Hopper. In that little, the young Hellboy story, Pyramid of Death, the scientist was named Strick Fadden. Mm. Jerry Turnbull said... Jerry Turnbull. Book club member. Yeah. The fellow who created all the electrical gizmos and lab equipment for the old Universal films was called Kenneth Strick Fadden. Okay. Oh, he was like wow. a special effects guy back in the day. How about okay. that? So that's the, maybe that's like a tribute there. there I like go. that. We talked about Dapper Wolf. Okay. Remember Dapper right. Wolf in the tuxedo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tuckpot said... Tuckpot. Book club member. Uh, that that's one of his uh, many tattoo... On his tattoo wish list. Ah, nice. Oh, that would nice. be a good one. Excellent. Yeah. Dapper Wolf for sure. We had some feedback regarding our Hellboy... Oh, sorry. Sorry, just to clarify. Is yeah. it Dapper Dapper Wolf Man or Dapper Werewolf? Oh, let's clarify that because he has a wolf head. Okay. So, so that's a Dapper that? Werewolf. Okay. Thank you. As opposed to a Dapper Wolf Man's... Yes. I would say. <laughs> just to get just to get that straightened out. We we just need to, to make sure clear. we use the proper terminology just when we're talking about clear. werewolves and wolfmans. We had some feedback regarding our Hellboy Blood and Iron commentary. Blood West- and Iron, the names of these stories. <laughs> Wes Matice said Wes Matice. Book Club member. He said, I think this is one of my favorite animated movies. Oh yeah. That's pretty definitely. cool. You had to put it high up there. But okay. yeah, this one was definitely better, I thought, than Sword of Storms. Mm. I wonder where I'd rank the Blood and Iron on my uh, animated films. I know. It's uh I was gonna say just like any animated films of all time. Animated movies, yeah. yeah I'm I trying don't know to if think I would take it there. I don't know. Maybe like top ten. I don't know if I would go there. it wouldn't make it in your top ten, I, probably. No. I understand that. They were still finding their their footing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean that's what yeah, that's I felt like I was also felt that while we were top watching 25, it maybe top 25 maybe. okay that's respectable yeah i just feel like it like you said it's, a, it's it felt more like a pilot than anything else sure. as a pilot it was very good now if we're listing pilots animated pilots yes that would go in there yeah, yeah. in thought, some type of top list well i thought the first one was more like a pilot i thought blood and iron was more of a, a, a more cohesive story because it was on the um, if this was a show that had had <laughs> multiple seasons yeah. That would have been a respectable pilot. Yeah. That's where I'm going to put it at. Good. Yeah. Okay. We got a message from Hayden Noor. Hayden Noor. Book club member. Mm-hmm. Great episode, you damn guys. It always makes my day better when I get to listen to a new episode of uh, Jim Cummings and Rob Paulson podcast. <laughs> JK, <laughs> LOL. Podcast. Uh, JK, LOL. I like both the animated movies, but this one is my favorite because I'm a sucker for any classic monster hunted castle stuff and stories rewatching both of them and reading the animated universe comics has made me wish for an animated series that never was it could have been like the uh batman and superman animated series that evolved into the justice league series all set in the same world with occasional crossovers but focused on specific stories and characters of course that would be amazing Uh, yeah absolutely (laughs) i this is making me so it felt it felt very much (laughs) like it was almost like a could have been like a batman gargoyles kind of a noir thing with like Almost like an X-Men team kind of a deal. Man, they could have like Hellboy, then split off. They could do it just the way they did in the comics. Sure, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, oh, they could have done so much. They could have had Daimyo in there. I know. Eventually, you know. Uh, anyway, let's yeah. not. Let's not. Uh, We're going to make l- ourselves upset. Let Hellboy have his own series or have animated films telling his 
uh, Beast of the Apocalypse stories, but then do a BPR series, different arcs focus on the Hollow Earth, Abe's Pass, set up the War Frogs, they could do flashback episodes on Roger and Johan. Man, what could have been? Well, get to it then. Oh, get on man, that. Why don't you get working on Gosh. that? <laughs> Always great to hear from Hayden. Yeah. We also heard from Mark Tweedell. Hey, Mark Tweedell. Book club member. Sure is. Um, so when we did our commentary, I think I mentioned on there that Mark's idea was that it should be a stop motion thing if okay. they did like a Hellboy animated. I don't know about that. So Mark responded to that. He said, uh, my reason for wanting a Hellboy adaptation in stop motion is due to a few things. Lighting and shadows are a natural part of the process, whereas in traditional animation, shadows are an expensive addition to the process. Hmm. CG animation still really struggles with texture unless you've got a feature film budget, and texture is such a huge part of good horror. Stop motion allows for stylized forms that can be like Mike Mignola's style without aping his art. Stop motion feels more organic due to the tiny imperfections of being real physical objects directly manipulated by human hands. And obviously a studio like Laika, who did Kubo and the Two Strings, could hire skeleton crew to help them make the props. Absolutely. (laughs) That's true. However, I I am aware that Hellboy's coat would be difficult to work with in stop motion, (laughs) but I'm sure that they could handle it. One last thing, stop motion can have too many locations, not just because they're expensive to manufacture, but because storage becomes a major issue and there's only so much active studio space. Pretty much every adaptation of Hellboy feels like they tried to cram too much into the runtime. So this particular limitation could have an advantage of keeping it on point. Well, I was going to say, stop motion, though, he well, you mentioned that certain, you know, things in, within animation are expensive, but stop motion is more expensive, is it not? Because you have to have, like, a whole team of people, I guess, sculptors yeah. and people who are... I don't really know how so that works so much out. time. Well, on the Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, they... They kind of go through it, and it's yeah. it's very labor intensive, and labor hours are the most expensive thing on any production. Well, I would think that you know, if whatever they, whatever style they make a Hellboy animated movie, they should definitely have a feature film budget. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Because I mean, I I, I mean, if, I would like to see a Hellboy stop motion now that he now that he made all those like good points. Yeah, yeah, I'm not great. saying it but, wouldn't uh, be cool. I'm I wanted to be. Saying... It has to be more like Nightmare Before Christmas and less like Robot Chicken. But don't get me wrong, I love Robot <laughs> Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Although. That would be kind of funny. All the like, I wouldn't mind seeing that style of like deal of just having a bunch of Hellboy BPRD right. jokes. I would yeah. love to see, but I would love to see like actual decent joke writers work on it. I think that that would be fun. Yeah. But then who would watch that? Who's watching that? Just people who would appreciate inside Hellboy jokes. Like sure. that's not really a very wide like audience. Base. Like you can do that with something <laughs> like Star Wars because yeah, right. You know, well, that's kind of like there's a, um, there's a market for. We got to talk about the itty bitty Hellboy at some point because okay. that's kind of like what you're talking. Oh, is that about. that's the thing? Okay, yeah, it's well, kind of like go. that. Um, but Mark also mentions a scene from Kubo and the two and the two strings. Um, how there's so much storytelling within like a single space. Um, he says I've mentioned it before, but Batau in Oshi's films Ghost in the Shell and Ghost in the Shell Two Innocence moves the way I imagine Hellboy moves. The animators took great care to give his movement weight. That sort of motion can be expensive, though, which is why TV animation looks floaty, yeah. as they simply don't have the time or budget to do it properly. Which character in Ghost in the Shell? Batau. Oh, Bato. Bato. There you go. Thank I you, I love Aubrey. Ghost in the Shell. I was going to say, you know, I, I very much do appreciate a good stop-motion film. I think that that's super yeah. cool when it's done yeah. well. But also, like, we're, you know... Like he says, you know, good animation is going to 
costs money. I mean, that just makes sense. You know, anything right. that's good is going to, you're going to sink some money into it. Sure. So, I mean, I brought this up before, but some of the best animation I've ever seen is um, Airbender and Korra. Right. Yeah, that was great. And I, so. I just actually saw the uh, the new He-Man. Uh, oh, I haven't seen that. A, the animation in that is really good. Okay. It could work on a Hellboy. Do you know what studio they used? Uh, I, no. I read it, but I forgot. <laughs> right, that happens to me constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it happens to me all the yeah, time. Yeah, or like I obviously seen like Spider Verse. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's that a is very like... specific animation yeah. style, though. I mean, like you can say this is a good animation style, and also recognize it's not good for every sure storytelling. But, that, uh, but that caliber, that I guess, do. is what I'm saying. But that that like, studio sure. just did uh, Mitchell's versus the Machine, and that was really good. Okay. But it doesn't look like Spider Verse. But I mean, right. it does kind of. That's what I'm saying. Is that it's yeah. like that is cool and good, yeah. and it's awesome. But it doesn't work for everything. And so you can say that you like it and that it's cool without, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the animation style that I'm talking about would really transla- for, would transfer well into the, these right. types of stories. Yeah. I think it would. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many cool things that they that? could what do with that? animation. What was yeah. that Batman thing that they did? Like, it was like five different Batman stories or four different Batman stories with like each story had a different animation style. Oh, um, that was within the Batman, the animated series. One of them had like a super anime thing. But then they did it, um, again, um, when they started releasing those animated films. Oh, Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so good. That was super rad. And each story had its own animation style. I really liked that. I love that. That that. would be so cool. And you can have, someone could do like a, like a story with just the BPRD. Yeah. You could have like a Daimyo you and could Roger. You tailor a specific story, exactly. One shot, and then you could have a story that, yeah. I just recently rewatched the Animatrix, and they and okay. they have all those different styles really? of animation. I've never yeah, seen it, yeah. so I don't know. That's, oh, that's pretty cool. That's some good stuff. Yeah. Wow, they should, yeah. But I think something like it. that would be, you know what I mean? Like you, got you could do it. the Daimyo story, you could do this story, you could do that story, and it would each have its own little... Just a bunch of different vignettes well, of random stuff. Well, the way that we stuff. get yeah. in yeah. comics. I mean, yeah, the way the that short stories. comic books work, it's kind of yeah. like that. You know, you have a different uh, animation <laughs> Somebody style. do that already. <laughs> sure. We're coming up with great ideas here. This is gold. Listen, we're doing most of the work. Let's be real. But I that is wa- a joke by this sarcasm. I did want to address this. For anyone this, who is uh, not aware of I did want to address this one thing, though, um, because, you know, we had talked about, uh, a while back, there was a discussion about what is the representation of LGBTQ characters in the Hellboy universe, and then we talked about, we got on this thing about in the Chapel of Moloch, those two characters seem like they might be gay, and then did we talk about that? And then Hayden said uh, he went back and listened to the episode and we didn't talk about it. And so where did all this come from? It's like this weird Mandela effect. Like I can't find where we talked about this. I thought we did talk about it. And then so Mark said the only place where he could find <laughs> anything, anything official on it was in a, a, a review. It's on Dark Horse. Uh, it's on their website. And I'll link it in the show notes of this episode. It's by Comics Bulletin in November 2008. And there they specifically say, oh, they mention that the characters are homosexual or whatever. Can I just say, if you have to specifically hunt for it in obscure publications that are separate from the story itself, it doesn't count. And it's not real. Well, yeah. And it sucks. Well, (laughs) I guess what we were trying to determine is it's never explicitly stated. Like the two characters clearly have a relationship, you know, but is it more than... And it's kind of like you almost I'm not saying infer, that like, you, like you have to specifically break the fourth wall and be like, by the way, reader, these characters are 
yeah. queer, they're gay. They're in a gay relationship. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, if you were going to bother to have any kind right. of character that is not straight, then do that. Don't just later after the fact, don't Dumbledore it and be like, by the way, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not. Uh, well, I just, uh, as someone who's detail oriented, I had to go find. Sure, you know, absolutely. Mark is like, here's where yeah. somebody actually talked about it. And so I just wanted to throw that out there because Hayden asked us and we never really answered his right. question. We were just like, oh, I thought we talked about it. And then we just went sure. on with the discussion. So To me, that's if you want to leave it open to interpretation, that's another avenue you can take, which is perfectly reasonable. And I think that that's fine. But I don't, if you are reading a story and you're like, you know what, headcanon, these guys are a couple, that's fine with me. Sure. I personally think, I do it all the time, and I think that's fine, and I don't see why it has to be, you know, you don't have to get an official source to say that that's real. Sure, But I can also see how it would matter a great deal to someone so if it does matter a great deal to you, then that's that's valid as well. Uh, Hayden also said regarding our outtakes episode, hearing Mark and Matt's voices realize how much I miss them on the show. Ah, oh, yeah, we got to get Mark back on here and Matt. Yeah, we got to get Matt back on the show. Maybe when uh maybe when the Kickstarter is over. I also wanted to give a shout out to Dale Bigford. Dale Bigford, book club member. Yeah. So Dale, he posted like his little collection of stuff. He put the cult of Zarahem. So I don't know if you guys oh, remember. I saw that picture. Zarahem is like, it's like the Mignola Cthulhu. Like there was a little yeah. statue of it in one of the comics. Yeah, I remember that. <clears throat> then later in a Lobster Johnson comic, it showed up again. And then it showed up in Witchfinder also. And then it showed up in the Hellboy 1950s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Dale has like his own carving of it or like a Man. relief of it. It looks really cool. Like he carved it? Or I don't know it? how he did it. He also has the fucking Howard sword. And it's oh, like wow. the real, like it's made of like, br- it's made of metal or he something. He had a replica made? I guess. He's That's got his own. So he shared it on our Facebook page and I uh, shared it cool. also out. So thank you so much for uh, sharing that awesome collection. That's super fun. Um, he said, um, when this overtly Cthulhu-esque member of the 369 Ogdraham began appearing in the universe, I decided I had to have one. There's actually a lot of variation in how he's depicted. My personal favorite is from Witchfinder Beware the Ape, which That's I used as a real quality sculpture. Yeah, it's amazing. Aubrey, you've got that pulled up for That's Danielle. A real quality sculpture. So you, you said he, there was something he used as a template, so he made that? From the Ben Stenbeck Witchfinder Beware the Ape. Do you see the sword in the background too? I see that yeah. So I'm um, so he made this. I then. guess, yeah. He said he used it as he doesn't say how. But anyway, it's an impressive piece of work. Thank you so yeah, much, that's Dale. Awesome. Good job. That's awesome. I love your collection you are a there. Talented, that is incredible. You are yeah, a you're really a skilled nice. sculptor. You're yes. a skilled sculptor. Yes. So with the sword though, like he didn't give you any information on how he made these things or I would like no. to know more. Give me I'll more details him. about this process. Yes, I'll ask for these him. items. Let us know, Dale. But good job. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all the listener feedback over the last couple weeks. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And this week we're talking about Hellboy Animated: The Yearning. This is another one of those hashtag My Little Booklets. <laughs> my little booklet. I think Jerry Turnbull and Mark Tweedo were the only ones who shared a picture of their little booklet. If you've got the little uh... booklet share a picture of it i'll be sharing a picture of mine 
this week. Um, I'll get to that in a second. This is a mini comic that came with the DVD Hellboy Blood and Iron, the Hellboy animated feature that we discussed on our last episode. It was released on March 2007 with the DVD. Although in here I noticed it said published May 2007, so I don't know what that's about. Anyway, uh, the story was written by Jim Pascoe. He also wrote some of the other Hellboy animated comics that we've read. And the art is by Ben Stenbeck. Yeah. Okay, so I was surprised to see his name there. Yeah, it's awesome. Stenbeck made his official appearance in the Hellboy canon universe in the one-shot BPRD, The Ectoplasmic Man. We discussed this back on episode 40 of our podcast. That was published in 2008. This is possibly the first Stenbeck Hellboy stuff ever. You know what oh, I mean? Wow. He's going to go on to do Witchfinder, Kashi the Deathless, Hellboy 1950s, Baltimore, and a lot of other cool stuff for the Hellboy verse. But it's pretty cool to see some work involving like a different version of the character that predates all the stuff that we know and love already. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about Stenbeck's work more as we discuss the comic. Letters by Blambot's Nate Pikos, who we discussed. And cover by Eric Powell. So I'll definitely be sharing a picture of my cover because I actually got mine signed by Eric Powell. I'm actually wearing my goon shirt 20th anniversary today. Nice. I met Powell there and he signed my hashtag little booklet of a Hellboy there. Um, so that was very cool. I've actually seen this cover art go up for sale too. Um, in the last like year or so it went up for sale. I don't know how much it went for, but uh, yeah, it's really cool. Nice to see Eric Powell do some cool Hellboy stuff. And there's also an incredible pinup by Mignola and Stewart that we'll get to as well. I also want to mention, so in all the little credits here, it says special thanks to, and it has Tad Stones, Julie Campin at Anchor Bay Entertainment, and it says Nick McWhirter. And I couldn't help but think of McWhirter. He's in the little diving suit. He's a little old oh, man. Right. Remember yeah. in the submarine? Yeah. In BPRD, Hell on Earth and stuff like that. One of those old guys is named McWhirter. So anyway. But all that stuff comes later. So it makes me think like, are they referencing him when they name the guy McWhirter? Anyway, maybe that's reading too much into it. So in this comic, we open in Lockpai Monastery. Lakpai La is about seven kilometers northeast of Mount Everest in the Tibet autonomous region. It is unknown to local inhabitants until it was discovered and named by the 1927 British Mount Everest Reconnaissance Expedition. So I'm going to talk about this expedition a little bit more. Um, and we meet this guy, Rinpoche Zhang. So Rinpoche is a title it basically means like an incarnate lama or a respected religious teacher and so zhang he's talking about this conflict between man and the metacogmi okay so i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here about this okay. all right the actual I'm history excited. associated with here so i mentioned that british mount everest reconnaissance expedition so it was led by Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Barry, and he wrote this book about it called Mount Everest, the Reconnaissance in 1921. In that book, he talked about that they found footprints that were probably caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the snow formed tracks rather like those of a barefooted man. He also adds that the Sherpa guides at once volunteered that the tracks must be that of the wild man of the snows, to which they gave this name metatkagmi which is he references here meta means man bear and kagmi means snowman man bear snowman okay okay so then this other guy henry newman he's writing about these expeditions 
for a paper called The Statesman, and he mistranslates man bear. He mistranslates that, that word meto into something else as filthy. Oh, no. The filthy snowman. So that's where <laughs> abominable snowman oh, came man. from. Oh, man, that's crazy. So anyway, I say all this to say that's that crazy. Rinpoche Zhang, he's talking about a war between men and yetis. Sure. Basically, which is pretty rad because we've seen where Yetis in the Lobster Johnson and BPRD series. So anyway, we're not even one panel into this, but I'm (laughs) sorry. Zhang says that 9,000 monks were killed. This temple was built on their bones and this grudge was born between the men and these Yetis or whatever. During the 13th century, the Mongols were invading all of Europe. That actually really did happen. And they destroyed all the bones, so that's why there's no trace of this. One day the bones will return and the yearning will begin anew. They said the name of the movie in the movie. They said the name of the movie in the movie. <laughs> oh. So, but I do like this opening. I yeah. like this old man. It's good. He's obviously like behind a fire or something, and I could see it very cinematically. Anyway, good job there. So then we cut over to Tibet and we see Hellboy and Abe. And so you can really see, like, the Stenbeck work in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, looking at this art here, like, I, he's going to go on to do some really cool stuff. And uh, anyway, it's just really nice to see that. So they're in this blizzard. Abe can't use the radio, and they hear some ominous undead skeleton mummy guys. The cold has returned. Our bones are freezing. We will warm our bones with your blood. It doesn't make much sense. There's not a lot of... <laughs> I don't know if that would keep you warm for long. I mean, at first it would, but then as soon as, I mean, right. you know, it would get cold immediately. So then it would be worse because now you're wet. It freezes. Does blood freeze? Well, yeah, you're wet. So then it would be, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So then it just, yeah. then you would just like have that on you. Would yeah, that, be that would like be a bad, layer of actually. warmth, though? No, it would, like it would a la- not. Would it be like a, therm- uh, a permafrost kind of thing where it turns into like a weird jacket no, that you insulates have to, you? you? No, you have to make an actual structure for that to work. <sighs> right, this is just like it just sloshed all over you. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> maybe they were going to like drink their blood. These guys are not. Oh, maybe. Maybe. But uh, so I think what's interesting that's is... That's actually a good point. That would work. <laughs> That would warm you up, I guess. Sure. Well, unless it's like alcohol, where it's not, you're not actually getting warmed up. You're actually losing actually, body heat. Yeah. <laughs> Let I us know what happens some sort when of, you drink blood. Well, I assume especially, this is some type of... Especially half-demon blood. I was going to say, I assume this is some type of a magical property that they're going to do to the blood. They have like a magical thing they're going to do to it. <laughs> and then it will become like a warming, like a sorcery type of okay. deal. Okay. Okay. You got it. One thing I think is interesting is... Um, I think Stenbeck's also doing the colors as well. Um, and just some of these panels as Hellboy and Abe are fighting these like undead mummy guys. You know, this first panel as it's like screaming out, you can really see the Stenbeck work in there. You know, he does all those oh, little yeah. detail things and like the stuff. Like it makes me think of like Frankenstein Underground and stuff like that. And uh, just some really great action. Yeah, see, this one bit Abe. So looks like he's trying to suck that blood. Oh, yeah, you're right. There we go. Confirmed. So it's like a vampiric type of a deal. Yeah, and we get some more of these great dissipating ghosts. We talk about some great dissipating ghosts. One of them says, All who enter Trung Ram must pay until the knife bleeds the metacogmi, the filthy snowman. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, Hellboy's trying to figure out what all this means. Abe mentions having difficulty adjusting to the cold. That made me think of Hellboy Bones of Giants. 
you know, that was a uh, part of that book is that he was oh, really right. like discomforted and out of his element being in the cold. Hellboy mentions being sore from the Hampton House. I guess that was like a mission they just came off of. There is a place called the Hampton House that is supposedly haunted in Towson, Maryland. Um, and I found this on MarylandHauntedHouses.com. Very specific website. This mansion dates back to the 1700s and now operates as a museum. Rumors say there are a number of ghosts haunting the place, including that of Priscilla Ridgely, one of the original owners. Her apparition has been spotted throughout the house, along with the ghosts of Signet Swain, a resident from the 1800s who died under mysterious circumstances. Her apparition has also been, been seen and heard playing the harpsichord in her room. Tom is a third ghost who resides there and is said to be a former butler. Two other ghosts linger here, but their identities are unknown. One likes to unlock and unlatch the locked doors, and the other makes noise in the tack room. Yeah, I like how they have all the ghosts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's five ghosts here. One does this, one does... Th- how do you know it's not all the same ghosts? How do you know it's not all Tom the butler? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so somebody clearly like looked up Hampton House or something. I like that. Hellboy also mentions Agent Clark and Waller. Bud Waller and Mr. Clark both appeared and died in Hellboy Wake the Devil. And soon, Hellboy and Abe come across Mr. Clark. He tells them Waller was pretty torn up by the metacogmy. A man-like thing, Mr. Clark says. That is not a man, but plenty filthy. Ah, jeez. <laughs> Damn. Steady on. Mr. Clark mentions all the Sherpas have left as well, except for one boy. Abe also mentions the yearning knife, which the dissipating skull told him about. It's either the cause of this mess or the solution, Mr. Clark responds. Whichever it is, you'll want to see it. And so we reveal this temple of bones. So remember when that Rinpoche was saying the temple was built on their bones? I thought he meant like the bones were underground. No, yeah, it's made out of bones. It's actually made of bones. That is the material component with which this temple was crafted yeah yeah i mean could they could they not get any other uh, building material they're like all right guys i need you to take all this stuff up to the mountain and then they drop dead and they're like now we can build a temple yeah well you know those filthy snowmen they love to build temples of weird shit like this (laughs) yeah the bones of these monks is the material components needed for the curse that they wanted to (laughs) do right like we're talking about the blood or whatever there That's is what a that is. yeah yeah no you're right you're right there is an ad here for the acme archives direct.com this is an actual website but they don't have any more hellboy stuff oh, okay they, but i did check it out you know i had to look for that this little uh this little detail shot here reminds me of the um catacombs in paris oh yeah it's shaped like that it is down there. yeah they did that on purpose yeah, when I saw the temple, the first thing I thought of was you guys down there in <laughs> that oh, yeah. picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty creepy. Yeah, that is what it looks like. And um, and I love the detail when they go inside. Yeah. We see Bud Waller down there. Um, he's pretty beat up, and he says, the yearning. He's back. So he points behind Hellboy, and there's this like little old monk there and a gold knife in the ground. And so the little monk, he like greets Hellboy and he says, the Metacogmi found this knife and thrust it into the ground. From the earth's wound, Trung Ram has returned. 
The knife yearns for blood, but do not let it drink. I like how he picks him up like uh, yeah. in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> right, yeah. When he picks up oh, that right. little kid up little by kid. the yeah. overalls. I was trying to think how to describe that. That's the perfect way That's to describe that. that. He picks of. up this old man like very it's curiously. Very, yeah. And he's like, what's that supposed to mean? This little guy. And then he just disappears oh, no. and, uh, <laughs> into like bones or whatever. And Mr. Clark goes, he keeps doing that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does that several times. That's interesting. Oh, so he just that, bursts yeah. into like a dust and bones pinata <laughs> on a regular basis. Interesting. And Mr. Clark talks about the knife. They're stuck in the ground. They've tried to get it out. Um, and so, of course, Hellboy reaches down and just pulls it out. So this is a very like Excalibur moment here. Oh, or- yeah. Excal- obviously. God, that's the one. That- <laughs> I'm so stupid. I didn't even think of that one. So uh i was thinking of hellboy bones of giants he picks up the hammer when nobody else can yeah i was actually about thor's hammer yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and was, then uh sorry, go ahead, Aubrey. i actually had both those thoughts sure <laughs> well they're both similar yeah. well in um in the lost army too there's a tablet member yeah. and when he pulls it out it unleashes the sea monster oh, well, he yeah. also literally picks up excalibur yes and that's so, the one that i didn't think of but yes thank you like both of you i'm glad point. you're here on the podcast um, but I want to talk. Oh, go ahead. I'd like to see Hellboy going to battle with Milner in one hand and Excalibur in the other. That would be awesome. <laughs> we just get yes. all the tropes in one story. <laughs> I would love it. There is an interesting detail about this knife that I want to point out as we go along. So about first, this what the knife? Yeah, you like it when we say things phonetically, don't you? And skeletons. <laughs> uh, That's not phonetic, by the way. That is a no. That it is isn't. A, that just... is a deliberate misrepresentation of the way that word is spelled. So first of all, it reminds me of the Lipu dagger. Which is a famous knife in the BPRD series. In what mm-hmm. ways does it remind you of the Lipu Dagger? Because it's got a little face on the a end. A little face on the end there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought originally when the little guy was like, oh, it thirsts for blood. Don't let it drink blood. I thought, oh, that's a cool way of saying yeah. the knife wants to cut people. Don't cut anybody with the knife. I was like, oh, the knife thirsts for blood. That's such a cool. No, it's literally there's a face on yeah. the handle of the knife. And it, it opens like its mouth snake. and wants to bite you and drink your blood. Like, that's ridiculous. That's so silly. Like, at first I was like, this is a badass, you know, uh, like metaphor or whatever. No, it's not. There's a wow, little face yeah. that wants to drink your blood. Yeah, I really like that. <laughs> and I like how Hellboy's like, great, just great. It's great. Like, he's not really even phased no. by it. It's just like another weird thing that happens. It's interesting, right? though. Um, I do really like this detail. Sure, yeah. So this little guy, he appears again from behind a rock, and he says, The story will end at the highest temple, but you must hurry. The knife has its own intentions. It can no longer be stopped. I love Stenbeck's work on this. No, it's good. It's really good. It's good work. It's got the good, like, uh, that cartoon animated feel. Yeah. So this is the one part of the story where I thought was... uh, this was a little silly. So Hellboy and Abe go to check things out. And the little kid, remember they mentioned one kid stayed behind. Right. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go with you guys and um, have you make sure you get there safely. And so he tells them, he talks about those bone ghouls. Those are those skeleton mummies I mentioned yeah. earlier. He's like, they're not going to hurt you anymore. And Hellboy's like, how do you know all this? And so he says, he mentions all the stuff that I mentioned about the name. Uh, Sherpas call it the Yeti. Tibetans call it Metad Kagmi, and some white man came along and mispronounced uh, Meto and it became a ruining everything all the time. Or whatever. The kid explains that the yearning knife was made by a monk using the blood of a yeti. The bone temple is Trung Ram, a slaughterhouse for their god. The Mongols used the knife to kill all the yetis, 
and the temple was burned and the knife was lost. Um, and so when they get to the entrance, the kid's like, I will go no further. I only needed to be in the story for exposition purposes. Yeah, exposition. You boy. obviously needed me to guide you walking up some stairs. Yeah, because that's yeah. all he did. Ridiculous. He was like, "I'm going to give you safe passage," and then he basically goes, "Go up these stairs." Get out of here! <laughs> I know. I'm so- done doing exposition now. So that was the only part of the story where I was like, "Okay, come on." I thought the little kid was going to be a spirit. Yeah. Or he played into something, you know, mm-hmm. or he was really some somebody guiding them every time i hear somebody say i will go no further i always think of that line from futurama i will go this far and no further oh, yeah. and it's and like it right going. at the door yeah <laughs> that's the wear car episode people i will go this far and no further so they go in uh hellboy says the yeti god so i do love these moon panels oh yeah you know, this there is, is the the statue of the yeti god and the candles are kind of illuminated like that lighting looks good again i think stenbeck's doing his own colors for this so oh, wow. he's carrying all the art it just says art by ben stenbeck oh, wow. so yeah you good know job. what i mean so i think that this is really amazing and then when this yeti monster comes out this is where i see like i can see the beware the ape stuff right you yeah. know what i mean where the mm-hmm. ape turns into a month like this looks like classic stenbeck right here i mean this is amazing stuff i like how hellboy just goes here we go right, right. giant monster fight and the uh the knife itself you know like i guess the way to lift the curse is to like stab someone with it or does it have to be a specific person that you're stabbing does it do you have to stab this this yeti monster with it yeah i guess like that's for because uh well we'll get to it they're gonna it's gonna wrap up answering all that at the end but uh in this action here there's this bottom panel where the yeti punches hellboy in the side of the in the side of his head yeah like that right there like that looks like stenbeck in the 1950s stuff like you know what i mean and some of the more recent stuff like i don't know it's just amazing i can really see his style coming through and, uh, he, you know, he's going to go on to do so much cool Hellboy stuff. I think it's amazing that I've, he's on this little comic. I really yeah. I really appreciate all the uh, very clever mood shots. It's good. Yeah. Stuff. It's really good. The pacing on this, because it's not a lot of dialogue. It's mostly just they just gave it up to the art here. Yeah. Right. You like, know, and uh, I think he does an amazing job. Yeah, the pacing and the flow is, is, is done very well. You got, some, you got some storytelling happening here. You got some storytelling going on. You know, show, don't tell yes, kind of a thing. Exactly. So... Hellboy stabs the Yeti and then it it disconnects from his wrist and goes to the Yeti. And in between it, there's just this one panel of all the skulls and stuff like that. That is so amazing. I just kind of lingered on that for a little bit. It's just really a nice way to break that up. So the Yeti falls back and he falls back on the statue of the Yeti God. So then blood has gotten on this thing now. That's never a good thing. Oh, that's probably not good. Yeah. So I love the green. Again, the color reminds me of Beware the Ape. Basically the same, almost the same thing happens um, where the green eyes and then this thing comes alive. The color is amazing as this Yeti God. Oh, yeah. You know, with the forearms and everything. The three eyes and the crown, floating crown. Yeah. It's fun. And like it's fun the, stuff. Like the tusk and the bottom and the top of his teeth. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. the design on yeah, this is rad. awesome. We get an aw crap from Hellboy as it comes alive. I like uh, how he has four arms and he's holding like three different weapons and he's got the other hand free. I, I'm assuming it's so he can grab you and then fuck you up with right. the other weapons. Yeah. <laughs> but like right before he appears, there's the candles and then there's the light with just those lines and the white. Mm-hmm. Like good, that's yeah. very Mignola. It like, is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like Stenbeck really went through 
some of the short stories or some of the material and looked for that pacing. So I did have to look this up. Um, So in the article of the Yeti and all that kind of stuff, according to H. Sigler, who's been referenced in some books about the Yeti, the Yeti was actually part of a pre-Buddhist belief of several Himalayan people. He was told that the Lepsha people worshipped a glacier being as a god of the hunt. He also reported that followers of the Bon religion once believed that the blood of the Meyer god, or wild man, had use in certain spiritual ceremonies. The being was described as an ape-like creature who carries a large stone as a weapon and makes a whistling swoosh sound. Okay. So there are, like, records of Yeti-type god things even before the expedition where they coined the yeah. term filthy filthy well, yeah there, i mean there would have you been you know what i mean so <laughs> sure yeah so I, I like that that there is some mystical you know that y- you could say well, like the people that are just marching in there are like the first people ever in that area right right it's never the case yeah ever colonizers are not the first people to be anywhere so I, I i did go a little bit down a rabbit hole because like there are several theories that like the the way that the snow melts in a certain way makes it look like it's a bipedal when it's really yeah. not okay. or it's just a bear or it's just a big orangutan or something like that and then also apparently bears go through uh certain bears go through a growing phase where their paw print is different and it resembles more of like a man type paw print. So people uh, are saying, sounds maybe. like bullshit. So anyway, there are all these theories, oh, but no. like you know, sounds like it's yetis reportedly, to me. Reportedly, you know, there was a somebody reportedly had the scalp of a yeti, and then they examined the hairs, and at first they said it was of no known creature, but then they looked at it, somebody else looked at it and said it was an orangutan, or it was uh, uh mm. no, it was like um. Sounds like someone who oh, really wants to suppress evidence something. of yetis. Anyway, to so me. yeah. A lot of different theories about yetis and stuff <laughs> like that. And even yeti gods, the glacier god or whatever. <laughs> so I think that's interesting. And so it smacks Abe out of the way pretty quickly. I just love the action on this. <laughs> the, like, little, the little knife face. He so, just looks like he's making a sound that sounds like, nah. Yeah, you so know what I mean? He's just like, ah. In the action, Hellboy pulls the knife out of the Yeti that he killed to stab the Yeti god. And when he does, it tries to bite the right hand of Doom. Oh, jeez. And the little teeth, like, tink up against it, and he's like, stupid knife. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really like that. I like how he's, the knife is puzzled. <laughs> he's like, what? The what knife book? is... Is uh, he's 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 like, this has never happened before. He's confounded, he's like, What? Oh no, so Hellboy is able to stab the Yeti god, so then he's holding the knife and it wraps around his arm. And so Hellboy's like, There, now it's your problem, and then it stabs himself with the knife. Damn, so here's where, like, kind of the explanation it says, Blood yearns for blood. Darkness for darkness. After 800 years, the knife's thirst is quenched. Jeez. <laughs> Where'd they go? Yeah. He says... Uh, Where does anything go? What a fucking answer that yeah. is. Where does anything go? For the bones of 9,000 monks, the answer is home. Nice. For the yearning knife, the answer may not be so different. The yearning what? Knife. Yeah. And as the monk dissipates, he says, The bones of 9,000, now at peace. Thank you, Hellboy. You weren't so chill earlier. <laughs> you, earlier, you were talking about you're gonna you're gonna drink my blood or whatever, and now you're like, oh, thanks, thanks, no, buddy. No, no. I thought that was the uh, the monk that told him about the knife. 
Not the uh, the guys at the Oh, beginning. the Explodey Monk, right. Yeah. I assume that they were all hanging out together, but I guess not. Well, why was that guy spared the weird Skellington curse? Why was he just a pinata man? Maybe he's the one who put the knife in the ground. And oh, he's maybe like, he got to. He's like the yeah. guy, the you know, the guy at the end of uh, Last Crusade. Yeah, um, he got some special he's dispensation. Stay with the cup. <laughs> right, right. Okay, that makes sense. He chose poorly. That was its job, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. It had to complete the mission. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. If I'm Hellboy, I'm just like, all right, I guess. Like, so you know? <laughs> Hellboy. <laughs> so annoying. We see Hellboy and the team escape. If Hellboy killed Metacogmi, is the yearning over? And then we see that old man that we saw in the very beginning. He is around a fire, right? So this is kind of like the little framing story he's telling the other guys, the other monks. But this whole, oh, listen to the wind, you can still hear it. Some say to this day, if you listen to the wind, you can hear you can hear his voice. You can hear him yeah, yeah. doing this and that and whatever. That's a constant like thing. That's a thing, right? Is it true that Trung it's Rom... A common, it's a common trope is what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Yes, yeah. yes. All right. Anyway. Is it true that Trung Ram is gone? That's that bone place or whatever. But the Kogmi are part of Tibet. You cannot kill folklore. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the wind. You will hear its cry. Look between the trees. You will see its injured shoulder. Be one with the world. You will not die. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good advice, Sounds I good. guess. Okay, then. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about this super trippy Mignola pin Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, this is cool. I feel like part of it is cut off. There's like a, I don't know, I mean. Here, look at this one. Let me see. Yeah, it's even on this one, too, on the physical version. Like the little banner where it says redemption, like it looks like. Well, that's just There's the way he drew it. That's just know. the way that he drew it. Babe. I'm like, what does the rest of it say? No, that's the way that it... <clears throat> not everything is going to be in... But this is so cool. Pa- the panel. I love this yeah. weird... Because he would go on and do some more stuff like this on... He- He's got a weird stomach face. Yes, Hellboy yeah. in Hell. That's what it made me think yeah. of. Awesome stuff. What a surprise to see some Ben Stenbeck yeah. art. I did, never thought we'd get some on it's one of these cool little comics. Good. So... That was so cool. Yeah. All right, guys. So we will be back next week with another awesome comic Hellboy comic goodness. Okay, what's happened to you? Are you all right? <laughs> he, he's skipping like a record. Yeah. He's doing the thing that I do when I can't think of a very simple word. Yeah. Like an easy to remember word that I can't remember. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. That was another fun Hellboy animated story. I want to hear what you think. Are you enjoying these Hellboy stories? Send us a hey, you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram on Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website, our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to the Side Street Steppers for sending us that wonderful song. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I'll thank you to Mark for helping with the reading order. John for being an editing wizard. Did you guys hear that outtake episode last week? That was some baller <laughs> shit. Thank you, Danielle, for all your wonderful insight. Well, comments. <laughs> um, you can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. And, uh, you know, if you're on the Apple Podcast, uh, just open that up and give us a five-star review. That would be so helpful. Thank yes. you. Or don't. It's fine. No, or don't. they have to. Oh. 
Also, I don't know if you can rate on other podcast services, but if you can, let us know and give us a five star over there. Do it there you too. About that Do it too. everywhere. Oh, yeah. no. Spend your whole day doing it. Jeez. Oh, Spend Next. a little bit of your time doing it. Just a little bit. <laughs> It'll just take it'll take a couple seconds, I promise. Uh, next week we're reading Hellboy Animated, The Judgmental Bell, and The Menace of the Mechanical Monsters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Judgment Bell. Oh, Judgmental. Judgmental Bell. <laughs> I'm sorry, that made me laugh so much. Okay, let me do that again. Hellboy Animated, The Judgment Bell, and The Menace of the Mechanical Monsters. So, you know what to do. Hashtag my little booklet and uh, <laughs> join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm a judgmental bell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Aubrey Lovely saying, don't worry about me. Find a way to break the curse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's true.